3: This
2: is a podcast from Minute Media. Derek
1: Jeter! This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a midweek edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weiner, alongside Thomas Carinante. Garrett Cole's contract. How are we feeling on Thursday now that there's been another leak from the Yankees front office to Bob Clappish? Of course there's been. We'll talk about that and what it means. The Yankees fandom had their eyes on a new catcher next season. That catcher will not be Tucker Barnhart. We're going to talk about what that means, where else they can go, whether they'll be doomed if Gary Sanchez is the starter from opening day or not, because it's really already starting to feel like there's a bit of a cast on this offseason. On literal day one and Baseball America's prospect rankings, we've got ourselves a shakeup at the top. Obviously, Anthony Volpe number one, but number two, not Jason Dominguez. We're going to talk about what that means and whether there's a little shine off Jason. Folks, make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five star review along with a mailbag question. We will be more than happy to answer it. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the pod. You were one of the <laughs> first people to talk about Garrett Cole's contract last year. You were one of the first water throwers on the deal. I'd still do the deal. We all still would, but the questions are being said out loud. And so uh, we got to address them. I do the deal. I'm not, that
0: was never the argument that I had always misconstrued because people just don't like to hear anything contrary to whatever their belief is. Uh, I thought it was a little bit wild. We paid Garrett Cole. What was it? Like 80 million more than the next highest paid pitcher who was Steven Strasburg, which is also not a great contract given his what lengthy injury history. Although, he deserved that after the 2019 World Series run. Um, and Cole's trajectory was a little bit weird. He was an up-and-down guy in Pittsburgh, but he had the makeup of an ace. Then he goes to Houston. He's playing second fiddle to Justin Verlander in a rotation that's kind of stacked. And then there's the rumor of them doctoring baseballs and kind of up in, up in the spin rate there and, and just doing another unsavory thing to cheat with foreign substances. Then Cole, be- yeah. yeah, and then Cole becomes Sticky Man, Big Daddy asking for the Angels guy for the sticky <laughs> stuff. Um, so he arrives in New York, and look, I was the first one to defend him too. It wasn't fair that his first year of the deal was a COVID shortened season, and then the pressure's on because you got you got twelve starts to prove yourself. Two starts, two bad starts in there really makes you look look not great after you're earning 36 million dollars a year um but i think this year we had a pretty good and then this year was unfair too because of the substance ban which i think we can all agree was not fair uh pitchers have been using some sort of substance for ever um and uh it's just and then you have the injury in late september or the beginning of september that kind of parlays into the remainder of the season for him uh and culminates with that awful wild card game start where Fenway was just using him as a pinata, trolling him. The fans were uh, right up in his grill when he was throwing that bullpen session before the game. Um, so, yeah, I just merely asked questions in the beginning because $36 million for any player is a lot of money. Uh, we got people complaining about Giancarlo Santon left and right at the end of the day. $25 million at this point for a guy who is hopefully going to be playing 150 games a year is not that bad. 36 million dollars for a guy making 33 starts, it's a lot. Um, he has been like like we said, a little bit up and down, proved himself in a very uh, comfy environment in Houston where the lights aren't as bright. He had an All-Star, that offense was incredible that that ent- that team before George Springer left, um, still is. They got to the World Series this year. Um and now he's shouldering. They lost the World Series. They lost, lost the, the World, World Series. series. We got to, we'll got talk about that, too. Um, and uh, now you have him shouldering the load in New York. New York's a completely different animal. Um, and you have the bad start against the Indians late in the year. Game Like, must-win games where the back's up against the wall and you need your ace to come through. Garicol has has come through on a number of occasions, but there have also been a lot of occasions where he hasn't. And that kind of... That, that makes you think, and now we have these rumors coming out where it does seem like the Yankees, somebody, I don't know who it is, as Jack Nicholson would say, there's a rat. There is a rat in the Yankees organization. Mm-hmm. Don't know what the agenda here is, but you are right um, in talking about it today that it seems like there's a little bit of buyer's remorse here because of the amount of money they paid, the results that they're getting, and now the criticism that has reached the grand stage of him being the face of the sticky stuff, blowing it in the wild card game for them uh it's a mess and i think it's worth questioning i do the deal every time too it's not my money the yankees can be giving out these contracts left and right they they can still afford to give out you know another one two three hundred million dollar contracts with the amount of money the organization makes so i'm not like happy for garrett cole that he got paid but the reason i had any sort of reservation is because you know the yankees are going to use this as an excuse at some point they're going to say oh well you know we gave away this 300 million dollar contract so you know, We kind of have to keep the books tight and figure out what we're going to do and be more cost-effective. No,
1: just keep spending. Just keep doing it. Yeah, my party line is I obviously don't care how much money Garrett Cole makes. Oh. I don't care how much money anybody makes as long as it doesn't affect the Yankees' plans. Anytime I worry about money piling up, It's not because I don't think workers should be paid. And I think we should, like, I hate when fans are evaluating baseball contracts to the dollar. Being like, Garrett Cole makes 36 million. Couldn't we have gotten out of this at 32 million? (laughs) Like, okay, it's not your money. Like, and when you're arguing about millions and and chunks of millions and market rate or whatever, you sound like a weird, you know, friend of ownership. But the Yankees don't quite think that way. And that much is obvious after you know we the sticky stuff ban in the middle of the season was unfair yankee fans and yankee executives and everyone who banked on garrett cole are very lucky that garrett cole did not get seriously hurt during the middle of that yes uh because tyler glass now got hurt immediately it's a different level of pressure on the arm uh delivering a non-tack baseball versus a tacky baseball objectively it takes more effort to create more spin on a ball that does not have the helpful adhesive uh so pitchers were getting and pitchers are also creatures of habit pitching is weird Pitchers are just getting hurt because the mechanics of of what they do is strange, and every time you interrupt one element of it, you know it throws off the whole body. The Yankees are lucky Cole didn't get hurt when they banned Spider Tag in the middle of the season. The Yankees are also lucky Cole didn't hurt his arm when he hurt his hamstring. Uh, yeah. You know the Yankees got lucky twice, uh, and so that's great. Uh, but the results did not look wonderful uh, at times throughout the twenty twenty one season. Somebody in the front office, you're right, has buyer's remorse. I don't know who this person is. I don't know if this is a high-ranking official. I don't know who Bob Clapish's mole is, but somebody has an axe to grind with Garrett Cole, and they're starting to feel a little bit more uncomfortable. I understand feeling like you were sold a a you know a bum slate of goods because you you probably knew something about what Houston was doing. Mm-hmm. You probably mm-hmm. knew some of it was a little unsavory. You probably knew that there was a method behind Houston's like uh, you know the the, the the gas house or whatever they were doing it wasn't just a pitching coach being like throw pretty hard you should try throwing (laughs) a little bit harder like clearly there was something going on so you know i don't think whoever this yankees executive is obviously isn't happy they got caught in year one with fans in the stands and had to you know it's classic yankees for this big investment all of a sudden feel a little bit less good because of something beyond their control but it wasn't totally beyond their control they they had to have known something but all that being said whoever leaked this to bob clapish whoever's feeling skittish Whoever leaked the Garrett Cole-Brett Gardner fight last week and threw in some digs at Joey Gallo just for fun, uh, you know, somebody is clearly nervous. I do think it merits mentioning, again, so first of all, again, I don't care about the money unless the Yankees care about the money. Then I'll get a little nervous, but they shouldn't care about the money. And so if they do, in the future, I'll get angry about it. Second, Garrett Cole, obviously, there are some moments that stand out from the non-sticky stuff Garrett Cole that make you go, ah, oh, that sucked. Uh, the Mets game, when I believe he blew a 4-1 lead, that in was July 4th weekend. Yeah, yeah. you can't lose, you cannot lose a 7-inning doubleheader with Garrett Cole in the mound with a 3-run lead, so that's 6 in people's minds. The game at Fenway, when he got absolutely owned in the first inning, trying to prevent a sweep. Those are two really not good starts that obviously stand the test of time as being sucky. However, two point, as views from 314 feet pointed out and very helpfully enumerated, 2.34 ERA and 1.47 FIP in 50 innings from July 10th to September 1st. So mm-hmm. that's a lot of course correction after that July Fourth start. Before Cole hurt his hamstring, plainly, you know, before you start thinking about can Cole handle the moment, you know, is Cole built for the wild card game at Fenway? Yeah, was Cole thrown off because there was a guy with a Kermit puppet in his head and standing an inch behind him? I don't know. I can't answer any of these questions. I do know that Garrett Cole, uh, very clearly, was very good in big games in in 2019 in the Bronx against the Yankees in 2020 against Shane Bieber. Uh, in 2020 against the Rays in the DS. Even on short rest, he ended up rebounding to throw five one-run innings, the one-run being that stupid Austin Meadows home run. We all hated it. It it did happen. Um, But Cole's pitched well in big games before. I'm more inclined to blame everything on the hamstring, or at least most things on the hamstring, considering he did course correct. This report was about the Yankees and Garrett Cole collaborating with Major League Baseball to build a stickier ball in the new CBA for the present and future. So, embedded in the leak i don't blame them for trying to make things easier for garrett cole i objectively endorse some sort of middle ground here all of this being said if they fix the baseball again and cole's april looks really bad you're gonna get a a lot more bob clapish is gonna be posted up at his local coffee shop cranking out these articles he's not gonna sit through a bad april without like checking in with his source every day being like Need to borrow money? Like feeling bad, <laughs>
0: feeling worse yet?
1: Like he's going to be prodding for sure. I would. Yeah, I mean, I
0: I like that um that they should be working towards something. um But I don't think like the Yankees don't need to let us know that hey we're we're going to fix this guys. Like we're going to make sure that Garrett Cole is the ace that we all envisioned him to be because we need to make sure that this is right. It's fine. Whatever whatever is going to happen is going to happen. I don't think the Yankees doing any sort of damage PR control here is going to do any good for anybody else the end of the season happened it is what it is I also I think most people most logical people would chalk it up to his hamstring injury you hamstring is a serious injury for any position in any sport so and when you're a pitcher when most of your torque is coming from your hips and your lower body of course that's going to affect you um, in more ways than one and hamstring issues don't go away in a month they last look at Look at the NFL. Christian McCaffrey has been out with a hamstring tweak since week two. It's now week nine. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, football is a much more physical demand, physically demanding sport. But it's there's so many different there's so many different impacts that it has when you're hindered in that regard. So I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about Cole in general. He's still a very good pitcher. Um, I just want the I want the outings. I want the offensive players too. Who I mean, Giancarlo Stanton did become that guy down the stretch. But I just want people in certain situations to be like, "This is my game, and nobody is taking it from me. This is what I'm. I'm going to win this game, and that's the end of the story." And I don't know if Garrett Cole is that is kind of that guy um, because, like we said, we've had it was we haven't had a huge sample size of him shouldering the load. Um, in New York, which I think is a completely different animal than doing so in Houston, when you're not the best pitcher on the staff. Um, but we have seven years of the contract left, so I think we have time. I think there, I, there's no reason to be mad at Garrett Cole. I'm not mad at Garrett Cole. I was mostly pleased with what he did this year. Aside, the wild card game was really the worst part of it. He he did what he had to do most of the most of the other times, and you just want a little bit more from your ace. That's what it is. And a lot of factors are working against him. Don't really think that anybody should be super regretful about this deal. I think you should question why the Yankees outbid nobody and gave him $324 million. Like you saw the, it was like the angels were in and they were never going that high. So it's the Yankees fault. I blame the Yankees. I blame the Yankees for not spending and then deciding to spend way too much. So that's where, that's where we're at here. Um, and speaking of the off season, the off season's here, dude, the off season is here. We had a trade. Day one. Day, minute one. <laughs> the minute, minute one. one, guys. We had Tucker Barnhart, the the Reds catcher who had a team option, I believe, for this year for $7.5 million, traded mm-hmm. the second the offseason began to the Detroit Tigers. I know you had a lot to uh, kind of uh, talk about here uh, as it pertains to Gary Sanchez. We read a lot of things in the offseason about either uh, pundits and analysts linking Barnhart to New York in some capacity, whether it was his option getting rejected and him getting picked up or the Yankees trading for him. Fans seem to have been on board with this. We talked about it. Don't really know why, but what's here? What what do we have to know from this?
1: It's not a win-win. It's not like Tucker Barnhart was some be-all, end-all solution where you're getting like a JT Real Muto type and Yankee fans should be like bashing in the wall. Um, but like, it, I mean, it really speaks to the dearth of catching talent right now. That like, Tucker Barnhart's won two Gold Gloves. That's good. You know, you want those. You want catcher defense. Uh, the Yankees have never have the Yankees won without excellent catcher defense. Yes, Jorge Posada was the core four catcher. Uh, fringe average noodle arm. Nothing much doing there. Um, the Yankees tolerated it because he hit like a mofo. He had like a 121 career uh, WRC plus. Um, just an absolute beast, and a beast during you know not even during the dynasty type years, it was like Joe Girardi, Posada. They were sharing duties. Posada's a part timer. Uh, you know, it's sort of like the Travis Darno thing, where the two catchers in the World Series are Travis Darno, middling offense with power potential, and Martín Maldonado, who's absolutely horrible on offense. Yeah, but uh, a great you know great arm, great defensive catcher, great game caller, etc. You can make it to the World Series. If the rest of your lineup is full of full of absolute bashers plus martin maldonado that's just how it works you can do that and so that's sort of the tucker barnhart model it's like gold glove most of you haven't watched him because he's playing in cincinnati the offense is awful the offense is like among the worst um at i mean you know among the worst catchers nobody hits but like you know bottom 10 starting catchers is that fair probably maybe it's not fair there's no catchers At, at least the bottom half the bottom half of all starting catchers People became infatuated with Tucker Barnhart because he's not Gary Sanchez. He started getting written into mock lineups for 2022, like your dream mock lineup. All of a sudden, all the Yankee fan accounts, it's like Corey Seager, Matt Olson, Barnhart, catcher. Again, pe- no one's seen Tucker Barnhart, but like everybody's got their Barnhart obsession. So for him to go away, day one of the offseason, minute one, the Astros are in the clubhouse sad, despondent, Brandon Taumann's in there being like, I'm so fucking sad. We don't have Osuna. Um, like it's really depressing. And then that minute, the Tigers are striking and grabbing Tucker Barnhart. Now all these Yankee fans have to redo their mock lineup. We are going to take a quick break. Stick around. Welcome back to the Yanks Go Yard podcast. So who else is available? Like that's immediately where my mind goes. Uh, Jim Bowden, who knows if you trust Jim Bowden or not, said the Yankees are still looking to upgrade to the catcher position. Sure. Um, we start looking around. Gary Sanchez, we're angry that Gary Sanchez was a slightly below average bat this year. And I think that's fair because his offense is supposed to carry the yeah. day. But you look at everybody else, it's Manny Pina, who is just about as bad on offense as Gary Sanchez. 180 with power. Um, you know, and it's 94 OPS plus last year. below A, a little more below average than Gary Sanchez. Mm-hmm. But if you want to save money, you can sign Manny Pina to do almost the same thing on offense. Um, he made $1.5 million last year uh Jan Gomes is around I read some articles giving Jan Gomes credit for the Nationals pitching staff turning around at some point in May or June sounds like conjecture there's really nothing there it's just some old sports writer being like you know who really helped Jan Gomes and then you're like why and he's like Jan Gomes I don't know like six million dollars for Jan Gomes sure like you're not really saving a lot of money and you might as well just go with Gary Sanchez at that point although I do think Jan Gomes is okay but like you're going to non tender Gary Sanchez to sign Gian Gomes one year, seven mil. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Um, Barnhart did cost 7.5 mil. That's what you pay for defense mm-hmm. these days. Mike Zanino, you got to hope the Rays go crazy and non tender him. But after the Reds just re upped Barnhart just to trade him, the Rays are going to re up Mike Zanino. I yeah, saw so they're, they're supposed to pick that up. Yeah. Yeah. They're absolutely picking that up. I mean, there's and, and there's uh, here's a percentage chance that the Rays trade Mike Zanino to the Yankees. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. It's like a white the white supremacist symbol without the three <laughs> fingers. It's a big old zero. Not going to happen. Uh, so then you're – I mean, I'm lurking in the Mitch Garver trade market, who is the offensive catcher Gary Sanchez is supposed to be, had a 150-something and 147 OPS-plus in his last two full years, 19 and 21. Uh, the Twins do have Ryan Jeffers behind the plate. There's like a younger Mitch Garver hit 199 or something this year with a bunch of bombs. You know, maybe – Maybe you can overwhelm the twins. Uh, the A's ain't trading Sean Murphy, even though they're trading everybody else, because the A's don't want to get rid of a cost-effective 26-year-old catcher. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if the, if the Yankees want to come calling about Garver, interesting. I'm interested. Yeah. Manny Pina, if you want to save your $6 million. But other than that, like, that's why people were keying in on Barnhart. But it's not like missing Barnhart is missing Matt Olson. No. No, not at all. Uh, so, and this is another
0: thing where it's like, can't we just, Yankee fans, like, why is there no middle ground at all? Because we everyone was obsessed, obsessed with having this um, advantage at the catcher position like no other. Uh, oh, Gary Sanchez, best offensive catcher. So now you are light years mm-hmm. ahead of every other team, aren't you? Um, mm-hmm. Sort of, not when he's really bad defensively and the stats have shown that he's, not that good defensively over over the course of time. You would hope at the very least that, um, his offense would have been above average or somewhere around there. It was, he had, he was literally average 99 OPS plus saw a lot of people kind of upset. Um, I don't know why it was talked about yesterday, but, uh, His 99 OPS plus and WRC plus was talked about, and the reason why it was low was because Cedric, the Orioles, robbed those two home runs. Cedric Mullins has that incredible catch, and um, I don't know who was in left field for them earlier in the year when Gary corked uncorked like a three-run bomb and made the guy made an incredible catch over the left field wall. Um, Austin Austin Hayes, I feel like, yeah, something like
1: that. I shouldn't know that,
0: (laughs) but either way, it's like where we're sitting there obsessed with this advantage at the catcher position that we haven't really had because he hasn't really been, he's been so hot and cold that it's not really, it's not really applicable at this point and it doesn't matter. And then you have people who are so mad that Gary Sanchez is so bad and they want him gone at any cost. And then it's like, dude, you look at this class and you're going to get rid of him for nothing. Like this is once again, This is the Yankees fault for failing to pull the plug on an experiment that they could have just pulled two years ago and maybe gotten JT real Muto. If that's what you wanted. I don't know. I didn't really care because the catcher position for me as me, special baseball, baseball fan, cool guy. I just want a guy who plays good defense. Like that's all I want. Famously catchers don't hit well. And yes, having the good offensive catcher in your lineup is an advantage, but it's more important to save runs and to kind of mold the pitching staff into what it needs to become. And the problem with Gary Sanchez is that the offense never got better than it was in what 2016, 2017, 2017. 2016, he was also twenty seventeen. Yeah. yeah. So the offense has not gotten better since then. It's been, it's been worse aside from I, 2019. People like to bring up uh, he hit, a, he hit, what, 34 home runs and had 90-something RBI. Great year, but batted 186. Um, all-star first, first half. All-star Huge first April. Yeah. And yeah. the same thing this year. He had a great first half, and then the second half was really bad. You look at the splits, and it's just really bad. And I understand you look at a baseball season, and it's supposed to tell the entire story from April to the end of September. Um, but the holes are there. Drop pop-ups, pass balls, doesn't catch Garrett Cole starts because Garrett Cole doesn't like him. I want to go back to the that's Garrett Cole it. rumors. We could talk about that, and that's another aspect of it. It's like if Gary Sanchez is your starting catcher, and this is the guy who's supposed to take you to the next level and and give you that unique advantage over other teams, then he has to be catching in the biggest games of the year. Because Garrett Cole is that's what be... the title's all about. Yeah. Here. yeah. So let's talk about that because I know you feel a lot of things about that as well.
1: No, I mean that that's just you know I'm not worried, and I'm not you know I'm not saying the Yankees aren't going to spend this offseason. I'm not saying they're not going to paper over their holes, but you just want like. You can't shake this feeling of dread because it just felt like Aaron Boone was an easy person to part with to yeah. change the chemistry of the locker room. And they didn't do it. And then Gary Sanchez was an easy cord to cut, although obviously be careful what you wish for because like we, I just went through the catcher options and there's nobody who could replicate Gary Sanchez's ceiling or come within 75% of it unless you get Mitch Garver, who's better defensively than Gary and better offensively. It's yeah. a better player. Um, but it's just the same feeling of dread that I had waking up the morning of the Boone thing. Could they win a world series with Aaron Boone? Sure. Is it going to be easier to win a world series without Aaron Boone? I think, yes, I think you could do better than Aaron Boone. Bob Melvin eventually goes free. Apparently he wants to stay in California and that's great. But you know, I think you could do better than Aaron Boone. I think you can do better than Gary Sanchez. Like, you know, Mitch Garver, of course. And like you're saying, two years ago might have been the time to do it and add JT Real Muto and change everything entirely. Then your ceiling is different. But it's just sort of this doomed feeling of, like, if I roll up and, and open my eyes on opening day 2022 and Aaron Boone's in the dugout and Gary Sanchez is a starting catcher, although Kyle Higashioka will be the starting catcher, Um <laughs> But if Gary Sanchez is the presumptive everyday starter and is supposed to play 130 games, it just that's when it starts to really feel like a groundhog day situation. Yeah. And I think a lot of people were so there was irrational Gary Sanchez backlash because his defense suffered in 2017 as he was awesome. And 2018, when his bats started to wilt a little bit, people were like, Well, yeah, the defense. And it's it was just this annoying, loud backlash that was definitely too early. Players struggle, players get better. 2018, he hit some massive postseason home runs against the Red Sox. You know, annoying year for sure, but you could live with Gary Sanchez's 2018 season, whatever. But the backlash started too early, and so then the backlash to the backlash begun, and people started dogmatically defending Gary Sanchez at every turn. Then he had an all-star first half that proved those people right. Then he had the worst 2020 you've ever seen that proved all the annoying, angry people right. And then you have warring factions of the Yankees fan base Going back and forth, talking about how Gary is perfect. No, Gary is dreadful. Gary is the best hitter on the team. No, Gary is unplayable. And the truth is somewhere in between, but it's just a cursed existence. And the defense keeps getting worse as the bat keeps getting worse. I don't think enough people are talking about the effect of having like a different catching coach and a different catching style every year being almost the same as glaber torres Mm -hmm. like we've agreed now glaber torres is not a shortstop because we've seen what the bat can do at second base and he played better already as soon as you alleviate the shortstop concerns Mm -hmm. i don't understand why the gary sanchez conversation isn't the same thing like maybe we don't need to hire new people to revamp his stance every year maybe we accept the defense is average to a little bit below average instead of constantly trying to mess around (laughs) and raise the ceiling his arm's not as good as it used to be no um, so I think you can win a title with Gary Sanchez just like I think you can win a title with Aaron Boone, but it just starts to feel a little stale after a while, especially when there is such a lightning rod flashpoint, and so I understand keeping Gary Sanchez over the other options, but I just roll my eyes a little bit knowing now that it kind of feels like I'm going to wake up on opening day and still be thinking about Gary Sanchez and still be thinking about Aaron Boone. Yeah, and that, that's what they have to fix. They have to determine that they have
0: to, uh, I, is it Garrett Cole forcing this or is it the Yankees coaching staff being like, he can't catch him. It's not because that's ridiculous. Yeah, like the fact course. that we have an ACE who can't like a, Gary Sanchez's future is not here. No, Gary Sanchez is a professional catcher. He could catch an ACE. It, it, it mm-hmm. might not be, you might not be getting the best, the best possible results, but he's not going to ruin the game. Um, and get, I don't even know what that would look I, like. Neither what, I, was, was Missing every jersey. ball, not, not get, not getting glove on any ball. Like, I don't know what it looks like. Yeah. Space jamming it, <laughs> you know, this, Charles Barkley dude. playing pickup yeah. with the little girls. I like, mean, I don't know. This team can totally win a World Series with Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez has never been the problem holding this team back from the World Series. He's just been a lot of the, how is he the most polarized Yankee of all time? Ever. since we've li- since i've been alive this is the since i've been alive, I've been yeah. alive this is the guy who it's like they want they want to they they will fans will personally buy whatever ticket or mode of transportation he needs to get out of here or fans will say you're out of your mind this is the best player we've ever seen behind the plate how could you even say that i don't understand how it's gotten to this point gary sanchez in the sports world embodies modern day politics to me with how people are just so divided and that you can't even have a conversation. Don't bring up Gary Sanchez at Thanksgiving dinner uh, table, dude, your uncle might smack you across the face. It's unbelievable. He's not going to lose you anything. He's just not the expectations set there. were not unfair, I guess, because he set them upon himself. He came up, he hit 20 bombs in 50 games and everyone's like, Holy shit, we got Gary Sanchez. This is amazing. And then it comes back down to earth with, all his deficiencies. And then everyone's like, okay, so when is, when is this, when's this going to stop, when is, like, when are we going to get like something a little bit better? So it's a combination of things where he set the bar really high for himself. Not necessarily his fault. He just had a really good, he had a really good cup of coffee in that first rookie season. And then everyone expects that of him. And the fault is on the fans too. We're expecting a lot from someone who maybe can't do that much, or maybe just is what he is and we have to live with it. So I don't think he should be uh, enshrined in in uh, you know Monument Park. I also don't think he needs to be thrown onto the four train in his underwear and departed from town. I Gary I said, never thought that yeah, no. <laughs> you did think about that.
1: Um, yeah, I, I thought that one was, uh,
0: yeah. he's he's a totally fine catcher. I would like for the. Obvious deficiencies to go away. Pass balls would be great to fix. Uh, I know is I don't know what was up with his army at his lowest uh, caught stealing rate this year. Was not accurate throwing to second base on numerous occasions. Very bizarre. Um, I think if he just cleans up a little bit, it's fine. And but I, and I also think, like, what's the option here? You go after Maldonado, who is a known defensive wizard, and uh, people have said that he was credited with, you know, kind of, uh, 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 grooming and molding this Astros staff that has a lot of young guys pitching for them um, mm-hmm. which helped them kind of get through this long regular season and this postseason maybe that's true that'd be great I think that's a guy the Yankees could use um, but is it worth is it worth you know upending all that right now maybe I just this is the off season to like where you're you're sitting here, you're underwhelmed, and why why now you're going to do it? You could have traded maybe Gary Sanchez in 2019 or after 2019, and it would have been fine. But they waited too long. We're here. I think you just keep him. I think you tell Garrett Cole to shut up, and Gary Sanchez has to catch his starts, and that's the end of the story. I, I it's really not that complicated to me.
1: Yeah, the ill-fated Gary Sanchez for Cindergarde deal is like an all-time yeah because like obviously that would have been a disaster for the Yankees uh Cindergar would have made like three starts yep. and gary sanchez would be you know doing what he's doing for the mets james mccann might be the yankees catcher i don't know i just i wouldn't want that no i wouldn't want that either steve cohen doesn't own us though so we might have signed Realmuto. muto that's uh that's possible it's true um we do i, I mean it uh, could the yankees win a world series with gary sanchez they did win a world series with gary sanchez in 2017 uh <laughs> they but the did. Houston Astros, they uh, did. Yeah, you know, took it away. I do think let's it very briefly Astros corner. The Astros lost the World Series. They, they lost the World Series again. All they do is lose World Series. Um, whether they have the pitching advantage or the pitching disadvantage, uh, neither the Braves nor the Astros threw starting pitchers in many games in this series. And the Astros core lost the World Series again. Um, you know, they, they lost the World Series in 2019, they lost every home game. That was fun. Every single home game they lost. That's insane. Uh, I don't think they won the World Series in 2017. There was at least that like verified account that uh, you know tweeted out like uh, the Astros are Stat 0-3. News, World yeah. Series matchup. Yeah. News, the, the heroes. Um, the Astros lost the World Series in 05, lost the World Series in 19, lost the World Series in 21, did whatever they did in 2017. Uh, but, uh, loser core. Losers till the end. Um, like one of my favorite weekend update jokes of all time uh about osteoporosis and and horses uh sorry grandma you were a loser till the end um (laughs) the astros were were losers till the end they have lost again carlos correa basically put on the boris core hat and said goodbye um said i enjoyed my time here they've they've raised me as an organization uh that's great um goodbye we'll see you later Mm -hmm. you might go to the detroit tigers you might go to the angels you might go to the yankees who knows not houston um Alex Bregman lost again one of the worst playoff performances ever even worse than him Jordan Alvarez he was terrible um in in the World Series not in the playoffs The, the Astros ran train on the Red Sox and just in time forgot how to hit um really a masterwork just a masterful playoff performance uh from everybody the Yankees ended up on the couch first but the Rays Red Sox and Astros all joined us as did the Dodgers for good measure really pretty fun everybody who had to go away went away welcome to the couch all of you folks Uh, And the Astros, who all they do is lose the World Series, lost another World Series. That's a real shame. Yeah. Uh, And shame on them, man, for just not
0: coming to an agreement with Correa. To me, that's like, that's something you have to do as an organization. We can complain about the Yankees all we want, about who they miss out on. The Yankees don't make decisions like that. The Yankees don't let a guy who has been like the lifeblood of your team, who got you to five straight ALCSs and three World Series in that span just go or have some sort of contract controversy hanging over his head for the entire year. Um and then you're having questions about it in the postseason. What kind of what kind of PR is that, dude? That's awful. Like your team is distracted with something that shouldn't even be an issue. You're a jim crane what's his name jim crane is like an oil friggin yeah he's a friggin oil magnate just pay the guy 200 like you could have probably got this done with like a 250 million dollar deal in this or before the season opted Mm -hmm. not to do it um nope yeah and i mean hey look uh braves were a team of destiny i think we can agree upon if you watch the uh the the postseason this year um they not only had the fire and the energy, but they got every bounce, dude. Those first two games against the Dodgers changed the entire narrative. They lost Game One against the Brewers, and you're like, "Oh man, like their offense is not showing up. This is a problem." What they lose that game, two nothing or one nothing or something, two nothing. Rowdy yeah. Tillas homer, that yeah. Was it? yeah, yeah. It was like it was completely uneventful, and then the script flipped, and the Brewers did absolutely nothing for the next three games, and then you have the two walk off wins in Games One and Two of the NLCS. Completely changed the narrative. They should have went up 3-0, if not for Cody Bellinger's miracle home run in that bottom of the eighth inning in game three. Um, and then, to be honest, like I don't think this World Series was even close. I know the Astros kind of had us nervous because of mm-hmm. um, uh, that game five comeback. But at any other point, like did, were the Braves showing any cracks? Like, Did you really think Max Fried was going to go out for like the third or fourth straight time and give you a bad outing? I was I worried. I, I kind of did. I yeah, did. I kind of did. I did, but he didn't, but he didn't. He was awesome. I like Max Reed a lot. Um, Absolutely buzzsawed them. And then the Braves bullpen has uh, the Braves bullpen should be like a fiction novel with the turnaround that it's had and everything that it's done. It makes no sense. Uh, full team of destiny Astros, evil guys. Uh, Maybe the AL reign is over. That was what I thought. The second, the world series is over. I was like, dude, gray leaves this team. granky has gone. They misused him during this postseason what do they have? I like they have, they obviously have Alvarez Bregman and Altuve and Brantley, but like Brantley has a year left on his contract. That's it. This could be over for them. And Hey, we thought after 2020 that all of the Yankees immediate competition was getting worse and it did, but then somehow the Yankees got worse. But now you have an obvious, the, 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 the Astros are losing a core player, most likely in Carlos Correa among other guys around the edges, Maybe this is it for them. I don't think an ALC I'll hot take. No ALCS for the Astros in 2022.
1: Hot take. Very hot take. I, I agree with you. <laughs> Framber or, or Keedy, Uh I like Framber. I like Framber. I like Framber. I like all the people that team that to beat the Red Sox, but if they're going to go away, now's a, now's a perfect time. Um, great world series. Great job by the Braves. Um, I, I would say don't get fooled into paying those outfielders. The Yankees might Adam Duvall. I, I, that's a guy I would pay maybe, but Rosario. Eh, I don't know. Um, Solaire, I don't know. Um, Jack Peterson, we'll see. We'll find out. If you need chemistry, maybe Jack Peterson's your guy. Yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll see where else the Yankees spend their money. Um, uh, some People are definitely going to overpay everybody who just helped the Braves win the World Series. Yes. And then we're going to wake up on June 1st next year and be like, why wasn't that good? Yeah. No. Why isn't it happening again? Like, that's just baseball. Paying the two. It, paying the 2003 Marlins in 2004. Yep. No. Oh, man. Why do we have Carl Pavano? Um, (laughs) Same basic deal. Um, So before we sign off, real quick, just want to deal with, uh, you know, something that kind of caught my attention. I'm not going to, you know, not going to draw sweeping conclusions, but it does feel worth it just to point out as we enter prospect trade season, everybody trying to move people around, move the chess pieces, do whatever you're going to do. Anthony Wolpe is now not just a fast riser. um, He is the consensus Yankees' number one prospect. There's no debate here anymore. Um, adjusting it now. I'm on a live stream. Everybody sees my foot adjusts. Sorry, guys. I'm gonna adjust my foot. <laughs> um, Anthony Volpe he is the consensus number one top prospect. Baseball America just came out with the rankings again. We know it, it's great. Can't wait for him. He's gonna arrive someday. Love it. Hometown pride, exactly what I want Garrett Cole to be. Yankee fan from birth. Uh, Volpe, New Yorker, New Jersey guy, amazing. Number two on Baseball America's new list, Oswald Peraza. Yeah, also a shortstop. Also similar timeline. People are saying 2023 for both. And that's great. Um, I don't think both of those people are going to stay. No Yankees. At least not through the trade deadline, but most importantly, Jason Dominguez third. And part of that's Peraza and Volpe just playing extremely well and playing a really important position. Some of that is Dominguez's first taste of pro ball wasn't quite as effortless as maybe some people expected. Some of the Baseball America article talks about how if he reaches a ceiling, it could be a projected regular in center field. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, saying a projected MLB regular, it's a tough ceiling to hit. But yeah. then again, that's not Mickey Mantle. That's not Mike Trout. That's not quite the Jason Dominguez we were promised. And it's sort of a cautionary tale in that look, you know, nothing wrong with being the Yankees' third best prospect, pretty good system. He's going to have to show a lot more in 2022 to keep this pedigree up. And it makes you think about what really is untradeable. Is is that untradeable? Is a slightly less shiny center field prospect who's not going to make the major leagues for three more years really not something you're willing to part with for like a Jose Ramirez or a Matt Olson? It's just, it makes you a little more curious about Dominguez's future. That being said, we obviously know nothing. It was just sort of strange to watch yeah. the publication take that changing viewpoint.
0: Yeah, I i'm not buying anything i expectations once again we just talked about gary sanchez expectations and what he said for himself what did jason dominguez said for himself nothing everybody was just like this is the martian this is this guy is an alien he's going to be the best prospect you've ever seen and it's like okay i, I i'm excited to see what he could do but like uh, uh this is like the most hype prospect since what probably bryce harper Ruben Rivera, is that right yeah i don't know and like we had we had tangible footage of bryce harper playing high school baseball we had no footage of jason dominguez outside of hitting baseballs like behind a cage in Mm. he's from the dominican republic
1: um i believe yeah i believe that's true
0: yeah so like he's hitting like uh, like on a barren field with nobody there like that's the footage that we have like he's throwing missiles and like hitting from both sides of the plate um not real game action uh, just like showing off his tools that he has and his incredible physique. Um, uh, he, like his makeup is yes. That of yeah, not a crazy, human being. crazy body. And he, Yeah. And he can run fast. Um, and if he can field in, in center, that's absolutely tremendous. Um, I don't, I don't put all my chips in the middle of the table with prospects. That's why I'm happy to trade whomever whenever i'm not saying gut your farm system tomorrow to just make your team better for the next year or two but like people who are saying volpe's untouchable after the season he's had it's like dude when he had a bad 2019 he was nobody and nobody cared and now he's number one and like you could even argue that peraza should be number one peraza spent most of the year in double a last year Mm -hmm. and had a really good year in double a i know volpe had a very good year but he was in high a uh an area of the farm system that peraza had already ripped through in 50 something games and then got the bump to double a so i don't know where these ratings i mean I, i do know where the ratings come from it's people scouts looking at stuff putting their own you know whatever their formula is and whatever their whatever their uh perspective is on the matter um I, I don't know if I trade Jason Dominguez at this point. I know I trade one of Volpe and Peraza, and to me, I don't really have a preference. Um, we were talking about one of them at a Chapman trade, me uh, Chapman, uh, uh, Matt Olson trade. If that if it mm-hmm. were to come down to that, like, why are either of those guys untouchable? We talked about potentially <laughs> this was uh, this was an old takes exposed here. Uh, Jason Dominguez straight up for Luis Castillo before last season started. Uh, mm-hmm. Yankees desperately needed a number two. Uh, It was obviously the lowest of the trade suggestions that we had had, um, but maybe that wasn't out of the question. Maybe getting a number two such as Luis Castillo for somebody like Dominguez who could be overhyped, I still think, hey, he's an everyday major leaguer. That's an accomplishment, man. How many people are everyday major leaguers and are successful? So um, I don't care that he dropped He's had unbelievable and unrealistic expectations attached to him. I'm just rooting for the kid to. I'd like to see him plow through the minors and and be in the Bronx sooner than later. But I don't know. I, I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not shaking in my boots because he dropped two spots because two guys just had incredible seasons in actual pro ball, and Dominguez just got his fur, and he's 18, right? He just turned 18, 19. I think he's 18. I think he's 18. But he
1: also might be 24. Cause if
0: you <laughs> at him, like, he's 18. He His is. birthday's in February. So he turns 19 in February. So he played that entire season as a, as a fresh 18 year old.
1: Yeah. And he made it to, you know, a level up of yeah. pro ball. He wasn't playing DSL ball yeah, no. or rookie league or whatnot. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to see him. There was at one point last year an insane time when the initial rosters came out and it seemed like they were going to start him at double a, uh, and like Somerset started advertising that Hudson Valley was going to get him, and then it's like, no, 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 he's not even on a roster. Mm-hmm. Um, so more room to grow, more in to go. We all watched him at the Futures game, though. He's he's hitting lasers. He does what he does in BP and yeah. real showcase games. Uh, there's plenty of time for Dominguez. I would not get all torn up over the fact that he hit 252 or whatever in a 40 game sample. But pretty cool to know the Yankees have two shortstops who both rank above someone we were once told was the greatest prospect in baseball history. That also seems noteworthy. Um. Colby Peraza, I don't know if you can lose. I think you've got a winner no matter who you stick with. That is it for this live streamed edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Drop us a five-star review along with me about a question. We'll be more than happy to answer it. I think I always point here, even if, even if, you if you're not I'm on not video. On stream, <laughs> even if I'm not on video, I think i point. Uh, who knows why. Um, until next time, I'm Adam
0: Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. And I'm Thomas Caradante. You can find me at Tommy's underscore takes. You can also hit the both of us up on Twitter on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. And you can also head on over to yanksgoyard.com. We got all the written content there for you, um, all of our thoughts, all of our hypothetical trades, um, all the fun stuff. Um, but the commentary from you is important. Um, the mailbag questions and anything of that sort from you is important. We want to improve the discourse. want to talk to you and see what you think because, hey, Maybe we're wrong, you know, maybe we're wrong. I don't know, but I think we're usually right. I think Cashman's got to start listening to us. Um, but I do like a lot of sometimes, no, a lot. Don't kid, don't, don't, don't kid yourself, Thomas. Um, I like some of the discourse on Yankees Twitter when it's not entirely toxic. I like when people are trying to talk about improving the lineup. We know a lot of things have to get done this offseason, So it's up to you and it's up to us to talk about it and make sure we're plowing through everything that is absolutely necessary before all these moves come to fruition. So until then, guys. Have a great weekend. Again, new schedule, Mondays and Thursdays, 2 p.m. Live on here for you to see and listen. Come in the chat. Have
1: some fun. But enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, we'll see you next week. And by the pace of the offseason, there will be six more trades for no reason. See you on Monday.
3: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator.